Good to be in the house of the Lord with the family of God. No place I would rather be than with my family. And I thank God that our family is growing and increasing, and and it's so fun to see um, uh, so many of us getting set free so that we can worship the Lord even more. Amen? Amen? Because that's what it's all about, worshiping Him. So this morning, I want to talk about being prisoners of hope. And, uh, and the reason that I'm going to talk about that this morning, yeah, get that AC down because my temperature has gone way up, <clears throat> right? Anybody else feeling that but me? Um, so this morning, I want to talk about prisoners of hope. But as I was coming in this morning, the, the Holy Spirit was just really talking to me about the battle of the ages and, and what is really happening Um, and what he's really doing. Can we get some more people over here to fix the air conditioner? Uh, We're a house full of Aggies. How many people does it take to move that little knob? Is it working? I don't know. Do you think it is? (laughs) All right. If we truly have power, pray over that thing, and in the name of Jesus, I command you to work. Amen. All right, we're not supposed to be, what is it? We're not supposed to be thermostats, but what, what how's that go? Thermometers, we're supposed to be thermostats. We're supposed to set the atmosphere, not be transformed by it. Okay, there it is. Praise the Lord. All right. All right, Shanda Halabaka. I just have to pray for a minute. Yes, I am praying in tongues. If anybody has an interpretation, you're welcome to come up and give it. All right, we are going to do business this morning. And it's so exciting to me because I feel like today there's going to be such a shift and such a breakthrough for people whose hearts have grown weary in the waiting and whose hearts have have been um, gotten into hopelessness. And so um, I was on my way in this morning and the Lord said that, that we are in the battle of the ages and that the battle is not over you. Satan does not, demons don't care about you or your family or your problems. What they care about is the seed of Christ. And the enemy, their enemy, is the seed of Christ. If you're an unbeliever, they're not, they're not going to mess with you. You're already, they've already got you. But the battle is about the seed that belongs in you. And the seed, the, the Bible says that the seed is the word of God. And so there is a battle that began in the garden over the word. And this, the, the battle continues to this day because you have the word in you. And so it's, it's so that's, if we know where the battle is and what the battle's about, then it gives us a better way to fight the battle. Because we know, well, we think it's about our money and that the enemy's trying to resist us on this and the enemy's trying to resist us on that. No, the enemy is trying to resist you on the word. It is the word of God and it is the word of promise. And so it's all about the word. And so God spoke the world into existence. He spoke you into existence. You were created through his mouth. 
The very word of God designed you, made you unique, gave you your personality, gave you your heart, gave you your destiny, and the battle is over that word. And I have seen this epidemic wave of hopelessness in the body of Christ that has just taken us under and we have all, we're all just like trying so hard to get through to the promise and the things that God has designed and destined for us. And I have not been um, exempt from this battle. I have not been exempt from this. And I finally just said, enough. I just had it with this. I am by nature a very optimistic person. I love having fun. Fun should have been my middle name. It should have been my middle name. I love life. I have such a zeal for people and life. And when hopelessness comes in, what it does is it, it, it creates a, 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 like a grain Everything becomes gray and everything like you can't really see life the way that God intended it. And you can't see others the way that God intended us to share life with them. And I don't know about you, but I am just fed up and I've had it. And so we're going to take the word this morning and we're going to kick that demon out of our lives and out of the word that has come to us. Now, the Lord said this in Jeremiah 29, 11. It's famous. It's on everybody's refrigerator. It's on walls. It's in frames. For I know the plans I have for you. Come on, guys. You know it. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, we are created to be prisoners of hope. Jesus' desire for us is that we would have a hope. Have a hope for the future that he planned for us because he spoke the word and the word creates the promise and then we get in alignment with the word and the word creates life. Hope is one of those invisible attributes that actually partners with the word that creates the promise, that creates that very purpose and makes that future possible. It says that hope, the word says hope springs forth eternal. <clears throat> there was, a, I, I remember, I'm reminded of a story of a, of a man, a very wealthy man who lived in New York, like I'm talking big money. Um, and he was going, he was asked to go and speak to a elementary school with, um, uh, that was in Harlem. And, and so you have uh, 50% African-Americans and 50% Hispanics made up this school. And uh, they had, um, in this uh, school district, a 90% dropout rate. And so this very wealthy man said, what can I say to these kids that would impact them, that would change their lives and help them to stay in school? And so he wrote a speech that he was going to give to them. And he sat down in front of these fifth graders. And, 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 and he said that they wouldn't even look at him. They wouldn't even make eye contact with him. And so he put his notes down and he said, I'll tell you what, I will make you a promise that if you will stay in school and graduate, I will pay for you to go to college. Everyone in this class, I will make a promise. That class 
graduated and 90% of the people in that class went to college. So it turned it around because they, and, the, and, the, and they were interviewed, they interviewed the children and they said, what was the difference maker? What, what kept you in school? And they said, we had hope for a future. And so they had a promise that was given to them by a wealthy man. And how much more will our promise happen if we continue to stay in that place of hope? The word says, return to your stronghold which is Jesus, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. And I am prophesying to you today this word over this family and over this house. Return to the stronghold, which is Jesus. Get underneath the word. Get in the word. O prisoners of hope, today I declare that, that he is going to restore a double to us. You see, the thing about hope is that it comes with a promise, but it goes with a breach or a perceived break in that promise. Because the enemy, what he does is he's, he's the same, he uses the same trick. He doesn't have anything clever. He does the same thing he did in the garden. Did God say? It's all about the word. Did God really say that? And so he begins to twist the truth of the promise that is set before us. And he tries to get us to believe that God is not really faithful and that he is not really good. So there are three attributes. If you have the ability to take notes today, you should because this is going to be good. (laughs) There are three attributes that are invisible yet required to partner with our promise to create forward momentum. These three invisible attributes are faith, love, and hope. Now, there are four elements to realize your purpose. Number one comes a vision and a promise from God. That's why the prophetic is so critical to the body of Christ because it comes in and it begins to break into every situation where the enemy has tried to sow seeds of doubt or seeds of confusion or seeds of heartache because he's a liar. Can we all agree on that? And so when he's chewing on your ear, what is he going to be saying to you? It is going to be the opposite. It's going to be saying you're not a good leader. You're not good at love, et cetera, et cetera. So God comes in and he says, here is your vision and here is your promise. Number two, the will to build or the ability to love. Building is loving. How do I build? How do I build a house of prayer? I build a house of prayer through love. How do I build? How do I build people? Through love. How do we build? We build through love. Granted, it, it, it's work, you know, and, and it includes strategy and all of that kind of stuff. But basically, it, everything we do, whether you're working in real estate or you're a plumber, everything is about people. It's not about, you know, hey, look, I'm over here with my screwdriver. It's not about the screwdriver. It's about the people. It's about the people that you, that your clients, the people that you work with. It's all about people. So it's all about love. 
Like John said, the policeman, what is he doing? He's riding his bike and loving people. I can't imagine riding a bike for 30 years. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> anyway, number three. Hope, you have to hope. You have to have hope that it'll happen. Number four, faith during the journey. Love, hope, and faith. So in order to slow you down and to get you to retreat, the enemy will strike you in three areas. Number one, he will cause your love to grow cold. He wants to get you into bitterness, and he wants to get you offended at those that are around you because he wants you to think the battle is with people. And he will come and begin to accuse the people who you love. And some of the ones you don't love. <clears throat> you, you understand that, right? We, we love everyone, but some people are prickly. So anyway. Uh, number two, he wants to get us into hopelessness. Number three, he wants to get us into unbelief. Now, the writer of Hebrews addresses this condition of hopelessness. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, verse 35. And we're going to start reading there. Or scroll. Open up your scrolls and eat them. <laughs> I love Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews is... Probably my favorite book of the Bible. I'm sorry. Who should I apologize to? Um, 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 Richard. <laughs> Richard. Richard's an Ephesians guy. I'm a, Hesian, a, a, a Hebrews girl. Yeah, and Matthew's, you know, Revelation. Got to get some more people on my leadership team so we can cover the word. <laughs> All right, what did I say? 10, chapter 10, verse 35. Okay. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Do not cast away your hope or your confidence in a future, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. See, a lot of us think, oh, the will of God, you know, we think if we're in the will of God, we're receiving the promise. But no, the will of God is basically this. You say yes to what God told you to do. Okay. Yes, God. And then you stay in that place and you keep do having a yes every day and you keep doing it. And then the promise will come, you know, and it says this for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the, and the reason that he says that is because he might just, it might take some time, but saying, hold on, because he, it is coming Okay, he's not going to tarry. He's not going to wait. He's not going to be long. All right? Now, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So you're kind of stuck. It's, you know, one of those circumstances where, like, well, I can't go back, but I really don't want to go forward. Where's the exit? 
Because that's really what I'm thinking I'd like to do. Can I just get out of this and off of this crazy, you know, thing called life where I'm feeling pretty bad, like I'm totally hemmed in, I can't go here, I can't go there, but I'm stuck. And you're the only one that has the word of life, Jesus, so I can't leave, I got to stay. And, and he says this, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the words were framed, the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so he's like, listen, you were created out of nothing. You were created out of a word that God knew you before the beginning of time. And everything that is in the earth, everything that was created and is created, is created and is held together by the word. And it says that, that it is framed, that he framed everything with the word. That means that you have been framed by the word. That you are the very existence is by this word. So when we look for the evidence of our promise and we don't see it, the enemy comes in to tell us that the promise won't happen. But the word says that our promises are made of the things that are not seen, faith, hope, and love. The word of God will frame your promise. The word of God, meaning it will propel your promise. So we have to get out of that place of, and I'm not going to get ahead. Okay. The word of the accuser will destroy your promise. So what are you in hope for? Paul tells us in Romans 5, he tells us this, that our hope is in the glory of God. Our hope is in the glory of God. Stand and rejoice in this hope, he says. He tells us that the enemy will challenge the external promises of God, where the enemy will cause restraint, holding back accusations, pain, heartache. But these tribulations will produce the internal promise of the hope of the glory of God within us. And so what's happening is that when the external battle happens over the external promise, and that means your career or your, or your ministry. So when the, the enemy comes in, what's happening within that time is there's actually a perfecting of the internal word. God is perfecting what's on the inside while he's perfecting what he's doing for us in the outside. Okay? I love that. External resistance creates internal perfection. When the tribulation comes, it acts as a pressure on our love, faith, and hope. And it causes us to search for the pillars and the foundations in our life so that we wrestle out what is real and what is not real, what is true and what is false. We go to the Word and we go to prayer. 
It causes us to go deep and we become assured of who we are and whose we are, which strengthens these internal and these invisible attributes. The Apostle Paul prayed this in the letter to Ephesians. He said that we may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that we would know the hope of his calling. He prayed that the saints would be filled with the knowledge of God of the will of his will for their life. God's will in our life is not limited to the activities of your ministry or of your advancement, but it also includes the development of our heart in God. You can't separate the two. It is both and. It is not either or. It is both and. Hope for a future. Our vision for the future must, be in, must include what we will be in our hearts and what we will do a functional in our outer man and in our life and circumstances. So it involves two things, our spiritual development and our occupational development. All right, so I'm going to give you six ways to be a prisoner of hope that receives a double portion. Number one, stand Therefore, stand, people, dig your heels in on the word of God and be strengthened in your inner man that the promise and the seed of hope will not be stolen from you. Don't get mad at people. Get mad at that stinking demon. When the enemy comes in like a flood, let us be the ones that speak the word of God and get out the sword of the spirit and begin to wield that thing and stab that demon that's been talking to you and your family. The second thing is you better watch your tongue. When you are in a time of tribulation, when you are a time of hopelessness, I tell you what, you better either shut your mouth if you can't speak the word of God. Because you will end up getting your future off track because your words will take you in a direction that you were never intended to go. The word says, and number two, do not throw a pity party. I can tell you this from personal experience. Because what we really want to do is we want to go in the corner and we want to whine and complain about all of the reasons why, 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 why this isn't happening. Because here's the truth. We think the enemy is resisting us, but our own words and our own complaining are what's resisting us. Because the word of God has already been spoken. He already did his part. His part was that the prophecy, the word of God has already been written. It is true. And he's saying, you know, you should probably use this <laughs> instead of all of that complaining that you're doing. Do you remember the story of the spies that were going into the promised land to kind of check it out? Well, they actually got what they said and what they spoke, right? Because you, two, you have the two that are like, Woo! This is awesome! Look at these grapes! Look at the honey. Look at the milk. It's amazing. There's so much abundance. And the others are like, we can't do this. Or, so the two are like, yeah, let's go, let's go. It's ours for the taking because the word of God has already been spoken. So they believed they had hope for a future that God had already said, now go in and get them. And then you've got the 10 resistors who are saying, no, 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 we can't go in. Here are all the reasons why. Oh my gosh, look at all these problems. It's such a headache, too much trouble. 
So what happened with both of them is that the word that they spoke and the word that they believed became their future. The two that said yes and were in agreement, they went in. Caleb and Joshua. Now, granted, they were 150, but whatever. (laughs) So then you've got the 10 that are just pity party, complaining, 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 and they got what they said. They never went in. The, the world is framed by the word of God. Your problems are framed by the word of God. Got to pull that out, beloved. He said to Timothy, war with the word, war with the word of prophecy, war with what I've already yes. said, yes. because this is the thing will be your breakthrough. Yes. Stop complaining. And if you can't stop complaining, just stop talking. Be like, I'm fasting talking because I got to wait till God does something in my heart so I don't sit around and say, wah. <laughs> Number three, I already said this, watch your words. And, but here's the thing. Do not get into criticism and accusation of others because we have a tendency if it doesn't happen, y'all know this, that we want to blame somebody. So we're looking for someone to blame for our um, of our, 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 our pain, because nobody, we, you know, especially if you're an American Christian, you're like, oh, how can I avoid the, I want the least amount of pain with the most amount of glory. So whenever we feel pressure or pain or heartache or disappointment, we're looking for that to, for that to land somewhere, right? Yeah. So number four, uh, okay. <laughs> Increase prayer. When you're in that moment, I'm telling you, man, you better back your car up. You better back yourself up into that place of prayer and say, I got to I got to leave all of the activities behind and I got to get in a place of prayer and have others begin to pray for you. Number five, seek counsel. A lot of times when you're in a place where you are really uh, getting hit on all sides and 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 you are in hopelessness, um, you really need to get your oversight to give you counsel and then you need to do what they say counsel is not the same as advice people when your oversight gives you counsel you better tuck up under them and say yes sir and here's why I know this because I've done it the other way and man I got in big trouble when I'm in a time of, of, of where the enemy has come in like a flood, I can, sometimes can't see wisely and I can't, and, and I'm so getting bombarded with the words of the enemy that I can't make good choices and good decisions. And so I really have to rely on the people that I've tucked under in those seasons to begin to help me to make wise choices so that I don't go the wrong way. And so when I'm in those times of, of heartache, um, you know, I, I mean, when they say it, I just do it. I'm like, yes, sir, I'm just going to do what you're telling me because I can't see clearly enough to make my own, you know. Anyway, okay, number six, you get it. Number six, surround yourself with a community of friends that are prisoners of hope. That means that you surround yourself with a prophetic community. Prophecy builds up, encourages, and edifies. These are the glass half full with lips of life and not, don't surround yourself with people that are always accusing other people. 
always going around complaining and whining and the victim thing because that they're not the, they're the people you want to minister to they're not the people that you want to run with okay so uh, you got to uh, help them to come out of uh, that kind of lifestyle, but they're not the people that you want to go to during this time because here's what you don't need. You don't need somebody to come and partner with you in your agreement over whining and complaining. Right? All right, so in, in, in summary... We must have a vision for a hope that includes both spiritual and occupational purposes, and we must keep the invisible attributes alive in us to realize this future double reward. If we are stuck by the enemy, we need to ask for grace to be poured out in our hearts to dust ourselves off and to get up again. I mean, good grief. We're Texans, you know. Put on our boots and, and run the race, Right? And I mean, even if you're on live stream and you're not a Texan, I'll pray for you to come to Texas because everybody else has come here and clogged up my freeways. <laughs> Notice I said mine. This is my state. Um, so uh, here's what I want to do this morning. If you feel like you've been in hopelessness, I really want to pray for you. So I want you to stand. And if we could, um, Kristen, could you put on some worship music? Um, we would pray for all of you individually. But uh, we're going to go eat some Chewies, and that will also help to get you out of hopelessness. <laughs> so, uh, Holy Spirit. Father, I bring our family before you. That you will see their work of faith, their labor of love, and their enduring hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, if they have fallen down in the battle, I pray, God, that you would lift up their heads. That you're the lifter of our heads this morning. God, that we would get back into the place of hoping for a future. Hoping for our purpose. Hoping for you, God. God, I repent in every way that I have accused you and that we've accused you of not being good. I pray, God, that you would restore us back to worship. You would restore us back to hope. And I thank you, God, for lifting us out of this pit God, that we can once again be set in the high places like arrows that are a flaming fire and be sent out, God, with words of life and words of truth, God. Restore our hearts back to believing again for all that you've said. And I pray, God, that if there's anyone here, Father, that has that has been taken under by the enemy. Would you right now, Holy Spirit, just minister to their hearts. Pour out your hope. Remind us who we are. Remind them who you are. You are a daughter and a son of the Most High God. And the word of Christ and the word of God is yes and amen over you. And I just want you to know that this morning he has not changed his mind. 
but he is digging his heels in on your behalf to give you everything that he has promised. And not one thing will be left. But just as John spoke before, pressed down and running over more than you can hope or imagine. And I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.